0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Episode 97, The Paradox.
1: Welcome to The Paradox with your attending, Dr. Eric Larson. He is a practicing anesthesiologist and clinical assistant professor at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine. Listen in as he takes you behind the scenes of what practicing medicine in today's ever changing world is like with another doctor. The Paradox is a fun and accidentally informative show for physicians, patients, or anyone who has ever found themselves in a waiting room.
0: Welcome to The Paradox. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Larson. Thank you for joining me as we explore the U.S. medical system in a fun, informative format through expert analysis. And today's expert is Dr. Jeff Anzalone, a periodontist in Monroe, Louisiana. And we're finally going to break from talking about COVID and talk about something entirely different on a topic that I found very interesting and perfectly related to medicine. But This is really for anyone who is a high income earner and is curious about what to do for income. Specifically, we're going to talk about passive income in real estate what that exactly means, what does this mean you're a landlord, does this mean that you just find buildings to buy, exactly what is it, and Dr. Anzalone is an expert in this. He's been doing it for four or five years now, has his own website that he helps people navigate and understand the process of passive real estate income creation. Now, partway through the interview, my microphone pooped out, and you'll find that the audio changes a little bit. Not quite sure why this is happening, except that to say that my laptop is finally meeting its end, and a new one is in the box and it just needs to be set up. So, I expect that my editing and the risk of losing interviews will go down dramatically with my new laptop and increased computing speed. So, I apologize for that. You may not even notice, but anyway, it's not up to the usual high quality, but it will be back to the way in a couple interviews from now. As always, I'd like to thank all of you for listening, for sharing the show especially certain episodes on COVID. I can see that it's extremely popular, and we will get back to discussing COVID when something comes out as far as new information or we are able to crystallize things a little bit better. As you know, it's ever-evolving, and so it's just kind of nice to take a break temporarily, talk about some other things with medicine. We've got a great interview next week that relates back again to pharmaceutical pricing. But without further ado, Dr. Jeff Anzalone and our discussion on whether or not you have to become a landlord to make passive income through real estate. Enjoy. Hey, I'm here with my new friend, Dr. Jeff Anzalone. He's a full-time practicing periodontist in the great state of Louisiana and author and founder of DebtFreeDoctor.com. His focus is on helping doctors and other high income professionals create passive income from real estate so they don't have to stop trading their time for money. And I can't tell you how excited I am to not be talking about COVID-19 this week. (laughs) So Dr. Anzalone, thank you so much for joining the show.
1: My pleasure, sir. Uh, happy to be here.
0: Well, uh, this again, this is a great break. It's been a while since i have talked finance on the show, and so it's kind of fun to to get away from all the medical medical stuff. But I think you know, important thing when we look at medicine and uh, is that you know, you work in many ways to earn income, so that and that the nice thing is to try and re- reach this financial independence. We've talked about this before on the show other times, and you do that by making your money work for you, right? That's always the the smart people are the ones who end up not having to to toil, I guess, for their income all the time, right? And have other ways of of generating income. So why don't you just talk to basically how you kind of got into this business or line of thinking?
1: Sure. Um, Actually, it just kind of happened by chance. You know, probably most people on this show have always had like a goal, you know, when you know, when you're in college, you know, your goal, you know, if you're a physician or dentist was to get into medical school or dental school, mm-hmm. and then you, you accomplish that goal. And then your goal is to maybe get into a residency program and, and, or, you know, if you're an attorney or whatever, whatever your goals are. So I had set up a goal that I wanted to come back and practice to my hometown of Louisiana, Monroe, Louisiana. So unfortunately about two weeks before I finished my training, the, the group I was supposed to join basically pulled the deal out from under me. Ugh. And, uh, it was, it was a little tough because, uh, we had already purchased a home, uh, interest only <laughs> Yeah. had a, had a two month old and we, well not we myself, I had close to $300,000 student loan debt Ugh. with no clue how to start a practice, uh, you know, run a business, you know, they don't teach us anything like that. So, yeah, Needless to say, it was a little bit stressful. So I think I made it like a switch at that time, my thoughts on money, because I always, yeah, I had all this debt accumulating, but I always thought, uh, I'm going to have a pretty de- you know, decent income and it's really not going to be that big of a deal to pay it off. You know, it's not like I'm going to be making 20,000 a year. I mean, you know, six figures. So right. never really thought much about it. But when this happened, I went from, you know, kind of just cruising on to almost like this, uh, really feared scarcity, you know, sort of most kind of, and I really it took me a while to get out of that scarcity mindset. So I, uh, luckily networked with some local people here and they took me under their wing, taught me how to run a business. I rented space from them. I actually went back to doing what I used to do in college and high school that was mow yards and uh <laughs> I'll never forget I knocked on the door of this lady I you know did her yard for like 18 years and said you know hey you remember me and she said yeah I remember you so I, I just let you know if, if you need your yard mow this summer you know I'm, I'm your guy she said well son aren't you supposed to be a doctor
0: by now I, said, well,
1: I am but I'm broke
0: <laughs> <laughs> the lawn doctor yeah
1: yeah that's right the lawn doctor so uh, some days I wish I still was the lawn doctor but uh but anyway so, um, so we set a goal at that time to to try to be out of debt by in, in like, I don't know, I think I said eight years or 10 years. And, and so that put me on a path and and luckily we were able to do it in seven years. But, uh, and we also hit some other financial goals and it was kind of like, okay, now what? Right. And I really, I was like, you know, there's, there's more, there's gotta be more to this than, than just you know, getting out of debt and having some money, you know? So uh, I was skiing with my wife and, uh, and and my kids, I think they were in ski school in, in Beaver Creek, and we got off the ski lift and like there was a ski school and, the, and I had a kid like dart out in front of me and I had to swerve so I didn't, you know, kill him and I fell. And when I fell, I kind of caught myself on my right side. I, I hurt my wrist and my arm and and I got up, you know, my wife's like, you okay, Jeff's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm, you know, I'm kind of, you know, making sure my hand, you know, is not broken or a wrist. And right. at that, at that point I started thinking, you know, you never think about getting hurt or injured. Yeah. And I said to myself, you know, if I'm injured, what am I to, you know, how am I going to provide for my family? And I realized that my whole focus was on my active income. And that started me down the path of looking for other ways to, to bring in income, but I didn't want to get another job or take off more time away from my family. Cause so I, you know, I have kids and I want to spend time with them. So long story short, um, if you start looking online about passive income, you're probably going to see a lot about real estate mm-hmm. and you could either go the active route or the passive route. And we decided on uh, going the passive route and um, wind up starting the blog, uh, you know, debtfreedr.com. And now I'm, you know, kind of like you, you know, teaching, love to teach other people uh, what I'm learning along the way.
0: Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, I guess, you know, we don't usually think about income as either passive or active. I mean, I think you, it's, it's easy to think, I think you just think of it as income, but it's definitely a different mindset, right? Like how you're acquiring, whatever it is, whether you're actively doing something or, well, I mean, I guess it's fair to say that passive is not really totally passive, right? So how do you, how do you separate passive and active? Because clearly you have to be doing something and have, you know, some sort of coordination with, with your passive income streams to make it, to make money.
1: Right. And and I, and I think that's where people, the misconception people tell you, Oh, you know, you can get all this mailbox money. You have to do anything, which as you know, is, is not true. So with the active income, it's, you know, if you're a physician or a dentist or, you know, whatever, where somewhere where you go to work and if you don't show up, you don't get paid, you know, you have a job. And you know, Robert Kiyosaki says that job stands for just over broke. So you're basically (laughs) just trading time for money. You know, like me, if I take off a week from my practice and go skiing or whatever, I don't get paid. So that, that is what I term active income. Uh, Basically just trading dollars for time. Most people uh, do this. And you're either, you know, an employee, you know, even if you own your own business, you know, which everybody's like, I'm going to own my own business. I'm on my own practice. Well, you still, are trading time for money. You, you're still, uh, you know, doing that that's active income. And probably most people know that the active income is the, I'm not an accountant or anything like that, but it is the highest taxed income out there. So not only are you, you know, trading your precious time, which you can never get back, but you're getting taxed the most. And that's what we're all focused on. Uh, just was reading something the other day and I never really thought about this, but you know, when you meet somebody the first time and you start and talk to them or whatever, what do they typically ask you? What do you do? Yeah. What, what do you do? Or what do you do for a living? What yeah. do you do? What do you do? And we're focused on that. And that's right. That's all we do is we do, we do stuff. We work. We're trained to think like that instead of it should be the other way around. What do you own? Okay. It's owning things that produce the passive income that is eventually will, will get you to financial freedom. So, uh, and it's really a mindset shift. And, and most, most of the time, you know, myself included wasn't taught that and once you start learning about it and learn how it works and, um, it's, it's pretty impressive. So that's the active part to, to answer the second part of your question regarding the, the passive, uh, basically the passive income comes from purchasing assets. So you're going to have to work. You're going to have to have active income coming in. The more active income you have coming in, the more you can purchase assets such as real estate that are going to pay you passively over time. So you got to put in the work, which, uh, You know that we're already doing that to begin with right but uh, that's the difference now the passive income is taxed a lot less it's capital gains tax versus active income
0: okay and you know you mentioned two things earlier on that i think were important one is the scarcity mindset and i'd like you to expand on that briefly what what do you mean by that and how you were living is that just the thought that i've got to scrimp and save all the time and even once you get to the point where you've sort of gotten out of debt and you no longer are watching your, you know, you've got your job now, you've got your income, and so you don't have that financial calamity around the corner like you did initially with your career. That you're still worried about that, and so you still kind of behave as if you're broke.
1: Yeah, well, your your uh, your wife probably, you know, as as she's a pediatrician, she can probably remember reading studies or can attest to this that we most of us do have a scarcity of mindset. It starts from when we're, how we're raised as a child. I know when I was raised, uh, you know, blue collar, good folks, and we never wanted for anything. You know, we, we had the basics covered, but uh, you know, my dad uh, worked at a hardware store, which he still does right now that his dad started. So, you know, blue collar, hardworking, typical, you know, American family, but growing up, you know, we always heard the, Oh, that's too expensive. Mm-hmm. We can't afford that. Uh, oh, it must be nice to go on a vacation like them. You know, it, it, it was always about a negative imprint of money and, and we start having that mindset and we're just ingrained in that, that obviously we don't have enough to buy this, that obviously there's only so much to go around. Mm-hmm. And we learned that from a young age and, and I did. And, and I catch myself occasionally saying that around my kids too. And I have to tell them, you know what, there's, there's plenty of money. I mean, look what the the government starts to run out of money. What have they done during the pandemic? They just print more of it, right?
0: Yeah, I've tried doing that in my basement. I've told that that's not allowed. Uh, and the other thing you, you mentioned, which I thought was interesting too, is you were talking about um, the debt uh, that once you, once you got out of debt, you sort of were lost, right? You sort of had you you had a goal, but you you didn't think beyond that one goal. Like like uh you assumed you would achieve it, but then you never thought what you do after you'd achieved that goal. It wasn't like an, it wasn't like part of a ladder. It was sort of like the end and then right. you're you're lost. How did how did you sort of get around that? And is that something you see a lot of people have struggle with?
1: I, I think we're seeing it more and more. You know, take Dave Ramsey, for instance, you know, one of the largest uh, well-known financial gurus out there. Well, he's always talked about uh, and focused his show on what you know, having helping people get out of debt. Right. And you know, I followed his seven baby steps, and he, you know, he helped us along the way. But excuse me, the the more and more people that he was helping, they started calling in and saying, "Okay, Dave, you know, great, you know, we're debt-free," and then they would do the debt-free screen. Yeah. And then a few few years later, they would call back and what Dave, um, okay, we're debt-free. What what now? What do we do? And yeah. it's kind of like and I remember um years ago at our church, we uh the, the pastor played a video of Tom Brady after he won, I don't know, he's he's won so many Super Bowls, but <laughs> one of the Super Bowls he won, and he got the MVP. And, you know, literally he just won. They, uh, he's, th- they go down on the field, uh, and they're interviewing him and, you know, Tom is great. You just won. He's got the MVP. You have to feel great right now. And, and literally he, and you could probably find this on YouTube. He's like, yeah, it's great. But he's like, if, if this is all there is to it, he's like, there, there's gotta be more to it than that. And it's like, well, God, you just, <laughs> you just won the Super Bowl and your MVP or you're not satisfied, you know? So, to, uh, so to, to me, I, I kind of had that feeling cause I was just so focused on and a lot of people were so focused on one thing, whether it's getting out of debt or, uh, saving a million dollars or, or whatever, whatever it is, we don't think beyond that because you know, as human beings, we're not really, um, our brains, you know, when we were initially evolved, we weren't really geared towards long term. It was more like, Hey, we got to survive right now. And, that's why so many people, you know, don't save for retirement. Cause they don't, they can't think, well, 40 years from now, it's like now, you know, Hey, I got this extra money. Am um, I going to save it or go buy, you know, a car or whatever. I'm gonna go buy a car. It's, that's more fun. You know? Yeah. So uh, th- I think that's, that, that's when I, I, I shifted to just kind of, like you said, not having that laddered approach, having, you know, multiple goals and, and focusing like that.
0: And then let's, let's talk about passive income and your specialty is real estate. Why don't you just walk through what your, you know, what your recommendations are, or I guess, how do you, how you sort of approach the problem? Because I mean, I, when I think of people investing in real estate, I think of a couple of things that are maybe simple. You buy a rental property, uh, like, you know, a house or an apartment building uh, or, or you flip houses. And those are sort of like my thoughts of what, and, and I would consider flipping houses, not very passive, <laughs> but exactly. uh, so like, you know, how do you, how do you just have someone help someone just kind of get get started in this process? And you know what are they looking for?
1: Sure, and I and I was the same way. Uh, when when I'm reading about the real estate, I was like, okay, well, I've got to go purchase real estate and learn how to be a landlord. And I went to conferences, I networked with people. I've got several friends here in town that they do that full time. And the the more I talked to them and and saw the phone calls they're getting from tenants, and I'm like. I don't think this is for me. So I think you should sit down and if you're married, sit down with your spouse and, and just figure out what your goals are. And those goals for us really guided us because we wanted, we wanted passive income, but we, but I wanted more time to spend with our kids before they move off to college. Right. So active investing, flipping houses, managing apartments, managing homes, you're the landlord. So that's out for us. I don't want another job, which led me to find passive income, which I didn't even know existed until you, you know, I started learning about it and and learning about something called syndications. And I'm like, what, what is all this? And, and it's almost like you, you find this other network of people and there's a whole networking of people that just invest in apartment syndications. I didn't even know it was out there, you know? So, um, And that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to do is, is get the word out on my blog of, of what's out there. Um, The information that I learn on a weekly basis, I I sort through it and and put on the the blog. And it's more geared towards higher income people that, that want to obtain financial freedom. And if they want to keep working, that's fine. But at least you have options to do that or not.
0: I guess, explain the syndication, because I've never heard this term before. Uh, what would an example of a syndication, how do you find these things, and what, what does it mean?
1: A syndication is nothing more than uh, pooling your money with other people to, to purchase something that you couldn't otherwise do on your own. You know, a perfect example is an apartment complex. I mean, most people don't have you know, 5 $10, 20000000 million in the bank. So uh, you you put up you put up your money with somebody else. Uh, there's there's a group called a syndicator, and they're the ones that find properties. They um, and they're looking through a lot of deals, and then they purchase them. They manage them, and and while that you have your investment with them, you're getting money or distributions along the way, which is basically tax free because of the tax benefits you get. So most of those come quarterly. Some of them are monthly. So during in a typical whole period is, you know, five to seven years. So for five to seven years, you're getting a check every month or every quarter, literally tax free. And at the end of that investment, that group will sell that apartment complex and you get to split the profit with them. Now that part is typically tax, but, but most of these are set up what's called, um, a 2x equity multiple. So you're basically going to double your money for most of these over that five or seven year period. So for instance, if you put in $100,000 today, five to seven years later after the, you know, the property turns over, you can expect that 100 to turn into 200. Um, it's really hard to get that anywhere else, especially in the stock market these days. But, um, but I encourage people to to really seek out the, the most important thing is to seek out a group that you can trust because that's the most important thing. It's not the returns. It's not how pretty the pictures look at the apartments or anything like that. It's, it's who is going to be doing the, the due diligence, who's going to be managing it for you. Um, so once you get that, find some that you can trust, then it makes it a lot easier to invest, in the
0: future. With the syndicates, like, I mean, I guess the example was, is that it, you're sort of like um, a venture capital group. I know that they, they'll purchase properties for seven years, then they will, they, with the intention of selling them after seven years and, and um, they take, they operate different ways to sort of make money within that seven year period. But then also you're essentially kind of like a bank in the, instead of you putting down 10% towards a building, you find 10 people put down 10%. You're now a group purchasing a building or property, right? And that's sort of what this is. How do you find these groups? I mean, do you go, do you Google syndicate or I mean, how do you, how do you find these?
1: That's a good question. And I, I did that initially and I, and, I, <laughs> and I lost a lot of money, oh. <laughs> but I didn't know what I was doing. Um, actually, um, I started off with some small deals that I did online with some of these companies that, you know, you, you know, I don't want to mention any companies, but you know, if you just Google passive real estate, you'll see some of the main companies sure. and they think about it. They have all these people pitching them deals every month and they just kind of pick and choose what they want. And they put them up on their website. So you don't know who you're dealing with. Right. And that's what I did for the first seven or eight, uh, it's called crowdfunding. So the first seven or eight deals I did, some of them worked out. Some of them didn't. And I had one that just completely flopped because you don't know who you're dealing with. Sure. And it, it takes a lot of, for me, it finally took going to, to go to events, networking with people, asking other people, Hey, who do you invest with? And then, you know, asking them, who do you invest with? And, one, and you'll eventually start hearing kind of the same, kind of like if, you know, some if I came to your town, it was like, Hey, uh, my breaks are out. Where, 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 can I go get some, you know, who's a good mechanic? And you would tell me somebody and maybe I'd ask four or five other people and you kind of start hearing that same, oh, you know, go to, you know, Bobby's breaks down the street and you know, he's, he's the guy, he's the break guy. So, uh, luckily I was able to find a couple of groups to invest with. And, and those are the ones that, um, I usually recommend whenever deals come out to people on my website.
0: So you're not talking about people are local, right? I mean, this this is nest, these are people who do this nationally.
1: Yes, um, most of the deals that uh, that I invest in are in the southeast, you know, United States and on the East Coast in Carolinas, Texas, um, Florida, places like that, where the the growth is just you know really really tons of growth, a lot of good jobs. You can charge what you want and rent. And, uh, but again, that's the best indicators. That's where they're going. They're not going to California or New York where the rents are sky high. They're going to where, uh, you know, you can make a profit.
0: Okay. So, uh, so it just takes a little bit of networking and, and finding that. And I guess that one of the services I guess you have on your website, right. Is that you provide people access to these sorts of groups?
1: Yeah. I, um, I just, I, I recommend, you know, I recommend the people that I personally invest with on on the site.
0: So you were debt free after seven years. You had, let's, say, you said you're three hundred thousand debt. I'm sure you had other expenses and stuff. But when you, how long have you been doing this? I guess is the first question. And then, do you find that you're, yeah. from an income standpoint, compared to what you're, you know, your active income? What's the, what's the difference? Uh,
1: I have been investing in real estate uh, about four years now. And I'm working on, cause at that time I had about a hundred percent in the market, our investments, okay. typically in index funds, uh-huh. With you know, the 401k deal, you know what most of us have. Passive. But I wanted, what's that?
0: Passive, right?
1: Yeah. But I, I wanted to, to diversify and I wanted to have something to where you know, if, if you wait until you can access your 401k, well, you know, you're gotta be close to, you know, 59 and a half, 60 years old. Well, I don't want to work that long. So, um, again, having passive income real estate gives you options. So if you do choose to retire at 50 or 55 or whatever earlier, then you can access that, that money if you want to. So that, that kind of led me to the, to diversify into real estate. And basically all I've done is just taken our household expenses monthly. And mm-hmm. once your passive income pays for that, you're, you're good to go. Okay. You don't have to, you know, that's, that's kind of a different mindset because you don't have to save up what the financial advisors tell you, you know, 5 million or 10 million, you just need enough to cash flow your monthly expenses.
0: Right. Yeah. That's, that is a totally different way to sort of look at things where you're, you're well, that's the financial independence people talk about, right? That's where you're sort of working for fun or for you know whatever. I guess whatever other goals you might want to have financially. Mm-hmm. When you mentioned earlier about taxes, explain how there's a there's a tax advantage to this sort of investing versus I don't know you're investing in the stock market, for instance. I mean, what you said there's the taxes a lot less. Because it's just capital gains. You're talking about the eventual sale at year seven or something of these of these ventures, right? But how do you gain, how do you gain income with pretty much tax-free in in the meantime?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And um, if anyone um, eventually does do some sort of uh, reinvestments, real estate, um, make sure before you do it, you get your accountant involved so they know and they can set up, you know, different tax structures. But, you know, before you, you know, go head on and I'm I'm not an accountant or anything, but just from my experience, the, uh, the, the tax, you know, not to get all deep into it or whatever, but basically when you get your distributions, basically your mailbox money, that money comes to you. And because of the the way that the structure is when the syndication buys an apartment building, they're able to depreciate. And that's, that's where Uh, you get your tax benefits. So when you get that money, uh, and you get your K one from them at the end of the year, which is just a, a, a form, a tax form, one page you'll give to your accountant. It'll typically show a loss, and that's that's one of the great things that the IRS allows us is to depreciate. And actually, they have bonus depreciation now, which actually you can depreciate a whole lot more initially during that first you know few years than you then you have to spread it out over fifteen years or or whatever. So just so think about if you pull money, if you had money in a mutual fund and you pull money out, you know, you would have to pay taxes on that. So not only are you, so let's say you, you, uh, put money into a mutual fund, not in a retirement, not in a 401k, but right. you just, you take, take $10,000 and you go put it in a, uh, Vanguard mutual fund. So if you want to take that money out, you know, you got to pay capital gains taxes on that. So not only are you taxed before you put it in at your active income level, then the tax man is going to tax you when you take it out as well. So with this, your, uh, your, your tax, it's tax free. So when you start using it, it's tax free. And, when you kind of figure out and do some numbers, what it would take to, to build up enough money and and investments to take it out to equal that. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty mind boggling.
0: So someone could counter and say, well, you know, I mean, when it comes to depreciation, it basically means that you're, you buy some asset, it, it become, goes into disrepair, right? And that's sort of the, the, the thinking behind, right? So that it's, you have to, Pay for upkeep and things like that. Like everyone's home depreciates over time, although the property becomes more valuable sometimes too. But you're always putting money in, you know, fixing the roof or whatever it might be. Right. Um, and so, if you depreciate a building over seven years, uh, and then you say, let's say you bought it for a million dollars, and you then are selling it for two, but you've depreciated half a million dollars in the seven years. I don't know what the real rules are, but let's say so. Your capital gains would be a one and a half million dollars on that sale, wouldn't it? So. Don't you kind of end up paying the tax in the back end afterwards even though you've been taking claiming the you know, the depreciated gains I guess along the way?
1: Yeah there, there's you would pay you would pay the taxes on whenever the profit of that sale and it's based on how much money that you invested you put in. and but there's other ways that you can do such as a 1031 exchange and, and again I don't want to get into all the details, but you could actually take the profits you, you know you could take your money, when it sells, and if you follow a certain timeline and you're able to, within um, 180 days, take that money and buy another one uh, or invest in another property, you can defer those taxes. And you can actually just keep deferring it until basically you die. So you never have to pay taxes on it if you know what you're doing. So it's, it's pretty impressive. That's why you, I encourage you to get somebody involved, uh, accountant that knows what they're doing uh, that they could do this because it's um, it's pretty huge.
0: And and are you are you uh, having people f- form their own LLCs for this sort of thing, or are you just, or is just a, you just have to be very careful with your accounting?
1: You you don't have to, but I think I think, um, I think m- most people do just because of that added protection benefit. You know, so it, you know when you invest in a syndication, you're investing in an LLC. That owns that building, so you have a share of that LLC already. So it, it doesn't—it doesn't really matter if you do or not. But just sometimes people like like to do it. But it's—it doesn't—it doesn't help you with taxes. It's more for uh, legal uh, litigation standpoint. If if someone were to sue you,
0: yeah, right. I mean, and that for those not uh, LLC would be um, shorthand for limited liability uh, corporation. Uh, so what is your I guess it, looking at your, your life now, and when it comes to making money, how do you view your job now where you're a periodontist versus you, how you looked at it, say when you started, I mean, after you actually started going weren't mowing lawns anymore.
1: <laughs> it's, it's actually, um, once you get to the point where you've paid off your debt and you have other money coming in, it's amazing how you, you look at your, your job or your profession and, um, sometimes people come in and they need work done and, you know, they're good, hardworking people and they really want it, but they can't afford it. So it's just nice to do it for free. Just, I don't have to worry about, you know, paying all these, uh, you know, all these bills. Oh, I still have bills, of course. Um, never bills, never go away, but <laughs> having a, a ton of debt to, to pay off. And it's just a good feeling. To, and, and just, um, and, and that really makes, that makes me the happiest is, is when I, am able to, to give back whether it's my time or money to people. So that, that allows you that option to do that if you choose.
0: Yeah. The freedom to be, to express your generosity and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, well, that's, and that's the whole point of the financial independence, you know, movement is that you have the ability to sort of whatever it might else it might be that you're interested in, or at least the ability to walk away if you have to from your job or, you know, what, you know, whatever it might, whatever the situation yeah. might be.
1: I mean, if I had, you know, let's say take $10,000. I mean, you can take your, I have a family of four. You could go on a nice trip for $10,000 and or I could go and buy a nice side-by-side and go hunting in or whatever. But to me, I get more joy, you know, having uh, and sharing an experience with my family than I do just from buying stuff. Well, that's just me, but having passive income and other streams of income coming in, allow me to do that without having to worry so much about you know taking off work as much as i used to
0: what's been the response to your you setting up your website and sort of your i guess i I don't know if i'd call it a business probably at this point sort of i guess is but a hobby (laughs) What, what has been your response from other physicians and dentists and um you know what kind of interesting stories you have from people you've talked to
1: um well it's it's really amazing how many older physicians and dentists have no money saved. And after talking to them, I've talked to, uh, you know, I don't know, probably hundreds of them either via email or on the phone. Uh, I, t- I talked to them. I think I have five calls this week with, with some, cause they're, you know, they want to know more about it and, and that. And I think that's what's most opening is, is um, yeah, they make a ton of money, but they, uh, they have not been real good with their money. And it's but it's really fun. I actually talked with a radiologist last week from Phoenix and I think an ER doctor and anesthesiologist. Anyway, they were they were young. They were in their 30s. So I was I was really catching them young. That's when I really get excited because <laughs> yeah. I was like telling them, hey, look, if I could go back in time, I would have focused everything I could, of course, after getting out of consumer debt, but really focused on getting getting to uh you know sort of that financial freedom part first and then if you want to keep working or you want to open up multiple offices or you want to expand your business or do something else you can do that later in life but you know work is work on freeing up your time you know and that way you'll be able to spend time with your kids because i mean as you know in the blink of an eye they're gone yeah no i
0: Yeah, I know very, very well about that. What do you think for people who are um, starting out? Do you, I mean, so you said your, your view is that you want to get those people to initially, I guess, you know, the question is, do you, do you have them focus on the the getting out of debt? Or do you say that's the first step? And then there's more beyond that. So you don't, so you have actually, you know, goals beyond.
1: If uh, everybody's different, but if they have a lot of consumer debt, like, credit card debt and, you know, high car loans. And, you know, even some of the student loans, I, I typically recommend that they clean that up first. And, um, and that's just my recommendation. Some other people would say don't, uh, but that's, that's, that's what I recommended. And then from there, you know, work, work, and I kind of help them through looking at things, different goals, maybe a five-year goal or 10 year goal or whatever. But Cause there, you know, we're so focused on just investing in a 401k, most of us or IRA or whatever. Right. And we're thinking, well, we got to work for 40 years and hopefully we'll save up enough money. So when we retire, we don't run out. And, uh, that's, that's the quote traditional retirement model that we're, we're fed our whole life. But, you know, being from Louisiana, there's more than one way to skin a cat. (laughs) So, uh, I, um, I, I give them that, you know, you can do that, but you can also do something to where you focus early on making as you know, making good money. You know, the more money you make, again, the more you can purchase assets that start making you money early on in life. And that, that's kind of that snowball effect. So when you get to be 40, 45 or 50, well then you've got all these streams of income coming in plus your, your day job too. Instead so, of waiting the other way, waiting to the end when you're 60 or 65 going, I, I need to do something.
0: Right. Well, and I would think in general, at that point in your life, if you've not been doing that, it, you're going to be much more hesitant and risk averse. And the likelihood of you trying different things is when you have a pool of money that you know you can't really increase a lot by through you know actively working, you're probably much more hesitant about you know entering those sort of ventures. Uh, what do you say to people who say, well... You know, this sounds great, but you know that you've been doing this for five, four or five years, and you know the housing market has been great for a number of those years. But there wasn't that long ago that the housing market was really bad. In fact, it totally collapsed, and people could look at it and say, "Well, you know, the same, the same, uh, the same conditions that were present back then are actually even maybe even potentially even worse now. That there's more of a debt fueled bubble with real estate, both commercial and and uh, residential." What do you say to that argument? To, to people who might be concerned about that as you know, that this might be a risky sort of venture?
1: Well, just like anything in life, there's there's risk. And I I think it was Warren Buffett that said, never invest in anything that you can't explain to a fifth grader. <laughs> so and and unless you know what you're getting into, uh, don't do it. And you just educate yourself and you realize that, I don't care what happens, you know, debt bubble or whatever, people have to have a place to live. And they they always have, you know, and there's going to be ups and downs. Just like if you put your money in the market, there's going to be ups and downs. So if you, if you know what you're doing and you, and you surround yourself with, with good people that can educate you, then, um, you should do a lot better than trying to go on it on your own, because I tell people focus on what you know best, whether it's a physician, dentist, attorney, you know, accountant, engineer, whatever you, you focus on that. And then, um you know, surround yourself with other people that can help you with the other part. And that's, that's one of the, you know, the the goals of my blog is to help get the information out there. And there's plenty of other blogs, you know, like mine as well. It's just finding a few that you like, finding podcasts that you like, such as your, your podcast, and then, uh, just, um, educating yourself and make it a point. You know, if you have a 30 minute commute every day or you're on the treadmill for an hour or whatever, well, that's perfect time to educate yourself
0: yeah, well, Dr. Anselin, thanks so much for being on the p- paradox. Are there any parting words uh, or I guess aside from debtfree where people can find more of your things, it's, are you on social media that they can follow Twitter and Facebook and the, the like?
1: Yeah, they can actually go to debt free. Uh, I try to get the debtfree but it was taken so it's actually DebtFreeDR.com com forward forward slash free guide for your listeners and they can download a free guide that, um, basically teaches them the basics on how to get started with passive income.
0: Okay, great. Well, thanks so much for being on the show and have a great evening.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to the paradox. If you like what the doc is doing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher and share the show with your friends. Become a supporting listener to get access to special bonuses at patreon.com forward slash the paradox show notes can be found at the paradox.com.